This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Salutations, Mets fans, and welcome to episode 160 of Amazing Avenue Audio, the official podcast of your SB Nation New York Mets site, Amazing Avenue. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro, and with me this week is Lucas Lajos. Lucas, recently, like as of five minutes before we started recording, Kobe Bryant has announced his retirement in the Players' Tribune with a brief couple of stanzas of poetry. So if you could read one Mets poet poems or have a Met make an announcement through poetry, who would you choose? Uh, I'd want Kadir to announce his retirement, but do it in a funny way, like a, a limerick or something with a clever swear word mixed in, just so we chuckle. Mm. One uh, one last laugh from Michael Kadir. As opposed to all of his at-bats at this point. but It's funny that limericks, and I know this only because I've a fairly regular viewer of, of QI is that the, the sort of the original form, like the last line just sort of repeated the first line. I did not know that. Yeah. I assume there's gotta be some Met that, that like me and probably like others wrote just some like really terrible poetry in high school. 
like vaguely like goth stuff. I mean, I wasn't really a goth per se. Um, I was more of a sort of I sort of had pretentious sort of artiste illusions. I didn't really get into like the deep dark. Wouldn't even been the Cure. I'm a little old, for, a little young for the Cure. I guess it was like Nine Inch Nails was like the goth band when I was in high school. I mean, they're more industrial rock, but. Marilyn Manson was just starting to become a thing, I guess. I might be screwing up my timelines. I mean, I owned a black trench coat. I think I still own a black <laughs> trench coat. Um, but I'm, I'm guessing that uh, based on their age, see, from all the good like poet people, we don't we don't have Miguel Batista anymore. No, he's like an actual poet, sort of. <laughs> We don't have Ari Dickey, who would be the obvious choice here. I don't know who the good, like, secret... I guess Jerry Blevins? He's not a Met anymore, technically. Juan Uribe would Juan be Juan Uribe funny. poetry could be, could be good. I mean, Juan Uribe is kind of like a, a uh, you know, like a Lorca or a... Who's the other one? This happens when I drink this much before seven. But he seems sort of like a magical, realist, novel protagonist. I could see that. I don't know if that really counts as, as poetry, but he does seem like the uh, like the type. The conflict of his story definitely has to involve too much football. Too much football. This is episode 160 of Mason Avenue Audio. We took last week off because the Mets did nothing. And it was a holiday, and the Mets. Are there, I mean, nothing's happening. This is the worst part of the off season because nothing happens. Yeah, there's no news. So we're gonna cobble together. We have some email. We're gonna cobble together a show based on signings other teams have made, Mets rumored interest. And things people I don't follow on Twitter are apparently saying on Twitter. It's that kind of show. Well, winter meetings start in two a weeks. Week? I'll have something to talk about. A it's week, two week, weeks. Isn't it? Two weeks? Uh, Close enough. Yeah, it is next week. Yeah. We'll start with Mets rumored interest. I think we already knew this, but Ken Rosenthal is reporting that Ben Zobris is the Mets' number one target. In this offseason. Very exciting. Probably to play second base and elsewhere. How do we feel about this, Lucas? Uh, well, we talked about this a while ago, and it was like, we have two places to upgrade. You're either going to plug someone in at center field or second base. And I felt more comfortable with Herrera than Lagaris, but if the team says we're more comfortable with Lagaris than Herrera, then Zobris makes a ton of sense. Plus, he can flex around, and with rights back, you never know what's going to happen, and you could probably put him at shortstop and it wouldn't be disastrous so i think it makes plenty of sense it does i mean you have to go four years to get him probably which is risky but you know, the mets window is basically the next two to three years now they have they have the opportunity to prop it a little bit further open with a signing like this and with the rest of the nl east's interest in doing the opposite of things you need to do to win baseball games <laughs> That's a polite way to put it. It is a polite way to put it. If you're gonna, if you make it a move like this, you can look to maybe put Herrera in a package for help elsewhere. Sure, he's the kind of guy that sort of is, as we talked about before on the show, he's the guy in between 
you know, S- Stephen Matz or one of the big four arms in Conforto, and then like Ahmed Rosario, where he's had some success at the major league level. He's major league ready, and there's still some upside there. You know, if he were still a prospect, he would be probably a top fifty prospect. So he is that bridge for them. Now, my only concern there is, I mean, look. If I was going to bet on one dude, like, really making, like, me personally off my reports, but also the Mets in general pay for a deal like that, like, all right, you know, I'm not too worried about Michael Fulmer really coming back to bite the Mets. I'm not too worried about Casey Meisner really coming back to bite the Mets. I'm not too concerned about, oh, John Gant, let's say. And I like John Gant. Not too concerned about John Gant turning into a number three starter or something like that. Yeah, probably theoretically, not. probably not. I don't know. I've only seen him a few times over the last couple of years, and I like John Gant. I don't know. I just I don't I don't see that huge upside. I've seen Sean Newcomb a lot too, but we won't get into it because you know. <laughs> but I mean, all those guys. Look, Michael Fulmer is going to fill a major league role for some team, probably the Tigers. You know, Meisner's got a shot to be a back end starter. Uh, I think John Gant pitches in the majors. But I think we all kind of knew those things going into those trades. Yeah. Dilson Herrera is one of those guys, and look, I've seen him a lot. The flaws are obvious. I just feel like he's one of those guys you deal and he makes two all-star games somewhere down the line. Yeah. And that makes me nervous. But because of the risk inherent there and where the team is, Ben Zobris has to, you know, if it's a reasonable four-year deal, I think you've got to make that move. Plus, there's no draft pick compensation attached, no, no, which no. is a nice bonus. It is a nice bonus. Um, I mean, the thing with this is, it's like, yeah, it's, you know, the Mets want Ben Zobrist. He's like number one on their wish list. You know, like Pappy Van Winkle 20 is on my wish list right now. It doesn't mean I'm getting it. <laughs> there's other people, teams that might be interested in, uh, in Ben Zobrist as well. I can drive up the price. Past where the Mets and or the Mets front office might... Be willing to go. I would argue that he falls into that that range of free agents that'll sign a contract kind of like Granderson's, and the Mets are willing to outbid the market that time around. And he, seems I think, to- there's probably more interest for Zobris than there is for Granderson, though. Probably. I mean, they. I think they did have to go the fourth year to get Granderson. Probably there were a couple other teams rumored to be interested. I think the White Sox. We're one I of them. Remember. It was two years ago. I can't. I can go back and listen to the show, but I'm not going to do that. We talked about this. You know, going to the fourth year for Zobris might not be enough. I don't know. It's like it's it's weird because the Mets are now kind of a good landing spot for a veteran free agent looking to be competitive or going for a ring. Which is weird. Yeah, we haven't had that for a decade or so. So they might be able to win a tiebreaker or even say the Nationals. Who are also rumored to be interested in him. But I mean, yeah, Ben Zobris makes sense for most teams. I'm not surprised that the Mets are uh, highly interested. It wouldn't surprise me if they thought of him as a shortstop either, given that they just went through a whole season with Flores as the primary shortstop. So, As I've said before, I think both... On the show and and in print, 
The Mets just have different idea ideas about what constitutes major league shortstop tools than I do, and that's fine. It's entirely possible to think of Ben Zobris as potentially a major league shortstop. And I won't read too much into his defensive decline last year because of the... I mean, he had knee surgery in the middle of the season, so... I think he's I mean, probably still fine at second. Yeah. I think the idea that he... And he probably can, can swap in in a corner here and there. The idea that he's going to be a long-term... Not long-term, but that he can cover third base for a month if Wright is hurt, he really hasn't played a lot of third in the majors. Like any. No. Um, now, could he make the adjustment? Probably, but there, I think there's... It's, it's far from a short thing, I'll put it that way. It's better depth than Eric Campbell, however. Yes. Moving on, the uh, Nationals, speaking of teams in the NL East that are not doing things that are going to make them well, not worse in 2015, but they, uh, 2016, Jesus. The Nationals are down a starting pitcher. Let's try that again. Jordan Zimmerman signed with the Detroit Tigers earlier today for five years and $110 million. A little bit less than I thought he would get, but whatever. That was pretty fair, but yeah. I thought he'd get at least six years. I think the, the AAV is within the realm of reasonableness, about what I thought he would get. But you always hear with the free agents, especially pitchers, they always sort of negotiate years first and then money, as it were, mm-hmm. or average value. So I think it's a little weird that he couldn't as the first guy to sign. Couldn't get six or seven years, but... Detroit's an interesting landing spot. I don't think any of us expected the Nats to re-sign him. No. They'll have to go forward with some combination of, of Joe Ross and Tanner Rourke, probably until Giolito's ready. I don't... I, just, I think the Tigers got a good deal here. Not that I really care about the AL Central. I, I wouldn't... I think it's fair. I wouldn't say they got a great deal but i'm not the biggest jordan zimmerman fan everyone's acting like he's a number three starter all of a sudden because he had one down year and i get it you know the k rate wasn't great and the velocity dip's probably more concerning uh than the k rate because his k percentage and you know, he said his k rate bounced around a little bit over the last few years he just it's just he's one of those guys it's five years now of him doing basically this very well <laughs> I can see it. Um, I think I'm more enamored with the predictive pitcher metrics than most, and He's I'm less never, fond his, of it. His FIP and ERA are almost identical for his career. He's only really had one season in the last five where there's been a significant difference. He doesn't walk anybody. He doesn't give up home runs. Yeah, no, he's definitely a useful pitcher. I wouldn't say he's the number three. He's not like a high-end number two, but he's definitely a at least a low-end number two starter if your definition is we're okay with this guy starting twice in a playoff series. Right. And I just, I weirdly, I think, you know, in a world where J.A. Happ just got $12 million a year. Well, that's like, a whole you, other issue. Zimmerman only being worth 22 is a little weird to me. I mean, whatever your preferred pitcher war over the last five years, he's basically been roughly a four-win pitcher. That's a pretty slam-dunk number two to me. Yeah. I think it's a little bit odd. And it's just one of those things where, like, I get it, he had a down year, and it's a little bit different with pitchers, and, the you know, looking at the 
you know, beyond the sort of the performance metrics. You know, he lost. I'll get the exact. You know, he lost about a mile an hour off his fastball. Yeah. Which isn't great, but it's not. He's not a guy that's. Sentence. He's not a it's guy still that's. still a plus fastball. Yeah. You know, he's still a guy that you know, goes out there and gets, you know, he's, he's, you know, there's nothing, you look at sort of the peripherals, there's nothing magic there. He doesn't walk guys. He generally keeps the ball in the park. And, uh, you know, he, he gets enough enough strikeouts to make it work. Now, is that profile more likely to fall apart in the next five years? He's only 29. Not like he's 32. I don't know. I think the Tigers got a good deal. Yeah, there's nothing, aside from the velocity dip, there's nothing really worrisome about any of the pitch effect stuff. So I think that considering the position the Tigers are in, they got a good deal. And like maybe the last year sucks, but that team needs to spend now to desperately. Yeah, I mean, they're going to. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Mike, if we know one more thing about, you know, Mike Elitch and the Tigers, he will open the wallet to try to get them back into contention. I think that's a winnable division next year. I mean, yeah, the I Royals agree. are going to go in the favorites, as they should. But they're going to be down Alex Gordon, Ben Zobrist. Johnny Cueto. Yeah, okay. He, he pitched really badly for them. He did. Outside of the World Series. but They also have the same problem as the Mets, where they dumped a large portion of their farm into last season. Yeah, they, they don't have a ton, unless you think Manea suddenly gets healthy for a whole year. No, they traded Manea to Oakland. Oh, uh, other one. Sorry, Zimmer. Yeah. Their other injured pitching prospect. That's uh... Right. And they still have, um... crap, Mondesi. You got Mondesi. They got Almonte, who's probably a reliever. Um, you know, it's a, that's the other thing. When you rely on power relief arms like that, I mean, they already blew out Greg Holland. You know, sort of who's next there. Wade Davis suddenly Mariano Rivera incarnate, so But you never know. Like it, Mariano Rivera is Mariano Rivera because he did it for twenty exactly. years. Most right. of those guys three, four years and they burn out. So like I said, the Royals should probably still be the favorite, but I think it's a winnable division. There's really only one year in the last three where the Royals were sort of an elite regular season team. Mm-hmm. I mean the twins are really the ones that should be doing this, but the twins are weird. Yeah, the Twins have lots of interesting young talent. What are the White Sox? Them too. I mean, they've got, they've got Sale, they've got Eaton, they've got... Abreu. Abreu. Um, the two other pitchers, Quintana and Rodon. Plus, uh, you know, Tim Anderson's not that far away. They're, they could can. definitely use... Uh, you know, they could use... I don't know if it's if it's Zimmerman, per se. So basically, the sort of the rule is you give any pitcher to Don Cooper and... See what happens after that, right? But you know, going out after someone like Justin Upton makes sense, certainly. Yeah, it seems like they need more offense than pitching. Mm. But again, Reinsdorf doesn't seem to have any interest in doing that compared to Illich, right? Which is why Jordan Zimmerman is a Tiger and not a White Sox. We'll actually, bring it back towards Mets topics per se. With this. So it's come to my attention, I guess, through other Amazing Avenue people complaining about it. Mets Twitter wants to trade Lucas Duda and get Dom Smith up as soon as possible. 
Good lord. I don't talk about these things, Lucas, because they're meaningless. They happen on Twitter. What happens on Twitter doesn't really happen. It doesn't. It's mostly Schreiber like yelling at people on Twitter <laughs> and putting a period in front of the at so I have to read it. But I'll get into this because I think there is something here in so much that, as you said earlier, like the two places they can upgrade are second base and center field. And I guess shortstop, but... I left that out just because of the dearth of options at this point. Sure. You know, we're doing a top 101 debate over at BP right now, and I'm just like, everybody I think is a major league shortstop should be higher on this list because there aren't any. It's sort of my uh, my statement of purpose right now in the email thread. Right. Depends on like how exactly you want to do rankings based on major league. But if you're considering major league scarcity, shortstops are. I mean, it's. I don't even think it's it's special in this era. I think anyone that can play a major league shortstop and do other things well is incredibly valuable. Yeah. But beyond that, if you're going to look at a place to upgrade, like you know, you have two years left to control of Duda. You're probably not going to resign him long term because of the skill set. And how you think it's going to age. You're into his free agent years. You know, if you can find an upgrade there at first base, and your know, first base certainly less, you know, first base production certainly less scarce than shortstop production. You know, you have options. Is Dom Smith one of them? No, because no. he played an advanced A last year. I don't care what he did in the Arizona Fall League. I could hit 300 there. <laughs> but lots of people can and have Mac Williamson hit like 350 I'm not sure I'd even give it as much credit as you're giving it because where's the first base upgrade exactly um, well, Duda I mean, was 10th on the leaderboard and most of the guys in front go of him and aren't trade for Joey Votto that was my first idea but we know the Mets aren't taking that I mean Chris Davis is out there as a free agent I know he's kind of a been an up and down guy but and you'd like to be able to DH him probably twice a week and is Chris Davis really that much better than Duda he is a little better than Duda I mean that's like that's 80 power that's 80 game power (laughs) right 147 versus 133 and weighted runs created plus. So yeah, I guess he's better. I mean, there are... Dude is nice. He's like a like a high five guy. He's just a decent everyday player. You know, even a guy that can hit fifth on a playoff team. Yeah. But it's first base. You, you, you could theoretically look to make an upgrade there if you want to be really aggressive in the market. I think. I just don't see, like I said, I don't, I don't see a, a clear option. And for me, this kind of kind of my we don't do media criticism. I'm not going to criticize Mets Twitter on the podcast because who the fuck cares? It's not worth my time. I'm a national sports writer now. So I, <laughs> I don't really have the time and effort to get into Mets Twitter fights. Um. Just for those of you out there, I think I was sort of like tamping down the uh, arrogance in the show lately. I decided to wrap it back up for you. Um, Your humble co-hosts are still out there fighting the good fight. Yeah, so. yeah. 
it's not really about Lucas Duda. It's sort of turning into like an Omar versus Sandy thing where it's about the people on Twitter or the Twitter clicks in Mets Twitter, the type of Twitter clicks, Twitter people that like Lucas Duda. It's just a form of gatekeeping. Yeah. Where you sort of, because like, I, I can't imagine a Mets fan out there at this, I mean, it's Twitter, anything's possible. That think like the Mets were wrong to keep Duda over Davis. That battle has been long since fought and lost by anyone that thought that. See, like Davis getting non-tendered twice now in the last two years. Yeah. But, you know, Lucas Duda is, has always been a bit of a darling of the more sabermetric-inclined Mets fan. And people don't like that. And he's a bit of a weird dude. Yeah. It's difficult to... For some people, I'm sure, to truly embrace Lucas Duda. Look, I'm fine with Lucas Duda as a 2016 and 2017 starting first baseman. I think you'll get very much what you got the last couple of years. I think we have a baseline of production now. Yeah. And the streaky thing doesn't even play with me because whatever. It, it's nonsense. You know, he's, a, he's, like a, he's like a 55 regular, which is nice. You know, is it... Is he a say? You want to go a six? Go a six, I guess. I mean, it's tough at first base for me to go that high. But he's a guy that you know can definitely start for a first division team as long as he's not one of their three best players. Right. And he probably and he isn't. Could. No. So that's fine. Viva La Duda. <laughs> now I'll ask your emails before we do emails. We do housekeeping. It's the Mason Avenue Audio episode 160. Amazing Avenue Audio is the official podcast of your SB Nation New York Mets site, Amazing Avenue. Find us on the internet at AmazingAvenue.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. Join our Facebook group at Facebook.com slash Amazing Avenue. I will warn you, the Facebook group, not very high on Lucas Duda, but it's Facebook. It's actually worse than Twitter. You can find the podcast on iTunes. Just search for Amazing Avenue Audio and you can listen or subscribe right there. I encourage you to do both. I also encourage you to rate and review the podcast. Find the podcast on the Stitcher app. Download directly from blogtalkradio.com slash Amazing Avenue or listen to the embedded player that goes up in the podcast post. Amazing Avenue proper. I'm your host, Jeffy Paternostro. You can find me on Twitter at Jeff Paternostro. Co-host this week is Lucas Vlahos, who has changed his Twitter handle after I made fun of it. What is it now, Lucas? It's just LVlahos343 now. All right. That was the housekeeping... These are your emails. You can email the podcast at podcast at amazingavenueaudio.com. Our first email is from Nick, Ahoy Jeff and co-host of the week. Recent reports out of Baltimore said the Pirates and Orioles were engaged in some preliminary talks involving Neil Walker at the GM meetings. Pretty surprised by this since Walker has been a quality player in Pittsburgh for a long time and they're in win-now mode. But I guess they're in the same boat the Mets were in with Murphy last offseason. They want to cash in on Walker's value before he hits free agency or at least exploring that option. Could this be the middle infield replacement for Murph we have been looking for? Walker and Murphy are very similar players. Key difference obviously being that Walker's a switch hitter. Walker's a few months younger than Murph. And we'll be entering his final arbitration season likely around $10 million before hitting the open market in 2017. Career OPS plus for Walker is 113 versus Murph's 110. 
Neither player is known for their defense, although Walker is likely, in parentheses, definitely, a better option at second than Murphy. And NLDS and NLCS Murphy side, you're going to get a handful more homers from Walker over the course of the season, as we know. Homers are good. It has been discussed on the pod that Mets probably only have enough assets for one notable offseason trade. Could Walker be the guy? On paper, he seamlessly fills in for Murphy at second. He also has some experience at third for David Wright Insurance. Baltimore media speculated he could also be moved to first base if they are unable to retain Davis, potentially making him a pretty versatile piece, much like old man Zobrist. Mets can go ahead and offer him a qualifying offer, which he will likely refuse and cash in another comp pick next offseason, thus paving the way for a more polished Herrera in 2017 if the Mets are weary about running him out there at the tender age of 22 next season. Is one of the first-round picks, Nimmo, Cicchini, or Smith, enough to get the ball rolling here? And is that a deal you pull the trigger on? Thanks for the podcast effort throughout the year. Stumbling across it last offseason is a nothing but enhance my Mets viewing experience. Love the pod. Hashtag. Love the pod. That's from Nick. This isn't a terrible idea. Uh, You're not as as old? No. Like, I don't have a problem with Neil Walker. He's a solid player. You get two and a half wins. It's fine. I mean, he is very Murphish. Yes. He's like Murph with more power and a little less batting average. Yeah. But I don't see the great advantage. Like, Carrera, to me, has nothing left to prove in AAA. So I don't see the great advantage of using our limited trade assets to add someone who isn't... I don't think he's going to be a big upgrade over Herrera. Okay, I could see that. Um I would Nor do I, I want to give him an, give him ten million dollars because now we've lost trade assets and our financial flexibility. I mean, I would just say that I, there's no such thing as a bad one year contract. Yeah, and I think I mean the the Pirates will do this because they have you know back back in the day when Dilson Herrera was traded. I mean, the Pirates traded Herrera in part because they had Alan Hansen, mm-hmm. who was a level higher than Herrera, but actually spent most of last year all of last year in AAA. You know, Herrera just advanced faster after the trade. But they have Alan Hansen who can come in and play second probably for them next year. And is a, I want to say, a similar type of player to Herrera because they are a little bit different. Um, but similar sort of risk-reward pattern, I think, for the next couple of seasons, which is why they would look into that. I just, in getting, again, it's all about surety to me. I mean, you can stash Herrera in AAA for a year. You're right, he doesn't have anything to prove. But you can stash him there for a year. Tougher if you're committing four years to Zobrist. Now, is Zobrist going to be better than Neil Walker next year? Probably. Even age-related regression concerns aside. But I think it it gives you a little more sort of medium-term flexibility than signing Zobrist would. So I'm at least intrigued. We also know my feelings on those three first-round prep picks, so... Yeah, I don't think I'm even that high in the picks. I'm just like we we've talked about the limited ammo the Mets have in terms of money. No, you're right. And you got you got to pick your spot. You always want to try to get. There's no such thing as a bad one year contract, but you also like to get more years of team control. That's right. something the front office has valued in the past. And then a payroll's capped at like a hundred and fifteen. Let's be yeah, generous. Sure. Let's, who knows? <laughs> who the fuck knows? Then, then this would put us up to a hundred and we still have no bullpen, no left handed center fielder. So hundred ish. Whatever. Probably yeah. Anything else from Josh? 
Hi, this is Josh from New Jersey. There's a series, a series of questions. We'll go through them one by one. Do you think the Mets put Dom Smith on the roster in 2016? My whole reason for doing this podcast is to mention Dom Smith as little as possible, given some of the topics that were coming up. But here we are. Um, no, he will spend, I would guess, the entire season in Double A. And there's really no reason to rush him at all. Lucas Dude is a pretty good Major League Baseball player, as we've discussed. Do you think the Mets signed Dan? I think he meant Dan Daniel Murphy. He says David Murphy, which is a common mistake. Yeah. If not, who do they put at second? And not David Murphy, certainly. So <laughs> no. Um, yeah, Neil Walker, Dilson Herrera. And, I mean, they did the whole like we're totally comfortable going into next season with Dilson Herrera, which may or may not be a bluff. They've done it with both Wilmer Flores and Matt Dendecker, so your guess is as good as mine. Well, here's a good one. How many games do you think David Wright plays in 2016? Oh, God. What would you set the over-under at? A hundred? Let's see what Marcel the Monkey says. Marcel the Monkey? Uh, the Marcel Projection. Oh. It's named after Marcel the Monkey because it's, it's so... It's such a simple projection. Any projection system be, should be, could be able to do it. Beat it, theoretically. It's named after Marcel the Monkey from Friends, which is how you know it was created by... Uh, Tom Tango in the 90s. Well, they, they project him for 346 plate appearances, which probably puts him at roughly 75 games, maybe 80. That's not a bad over-under, if I'm honest. He's got a legitimately life-damaging back, potentially life-damaging back condition. So who the hell knows? I mean, before this season, he played his last three, 156, 112, and 134. But that was before, you know, the back thing. I probably set the over-under at like 85 games. Because he's going to grind himself out there as many as he can. But I also wouldn't be shocked if he misses a couple months. Yeah. And has to sort of like reset and rehab and... Those sort of things. Which is why finding someone that can play third base in a pinch, whether it's Neil Walker or uh, Ben Zobrist, theoretically, isn't the worst idea in the world. Next one. Do you think the Mets sign a top pitcher? No. 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 Should they? Eh? There's an argument. No. They're not going to. If they had the $180 million payroll. They had $150 million payroll, I'd say sign Zach Greinke. Yeah. Do you think the Mets trade away Matt Harvey? Mm. Mm. What would you put as the odds? Uh, sort of yes, see, no. I, even with all the, uh, like all the speculation that they're going to trade him, it's still a really valuable asset to trade. So I'd say at least like five to one, they don't trade him. I don't think it's that high. I res- I'll put it this way. If they don't deal him at the winter meetings, I think he probably sticks around. That'd be the time to maximize your return in all likelihood. Do you think Matt Harvey is still the ace of the pitching staff? Josh, you're trying to trade him away. So one game playoff tomorrow, let's say. 
Which Mets pitcher do you want on the mound? Uh, let's assume they're all. Let's assume it's the tomorrow's not good. Um, let's give them a full off season to rest, recover, whatever. April fifteenth, you have to win one game. See, when Harvey's on, I think he's better than all of them, better than the rest. So if he's and theoretically, the farther he gets from Tommy John, the closer he gets back to that. I'm always on. I'm as good as Clayton Kershaw, maybe, mode. So next season, I'm tempted to say Harvey. I am too, but I guess it's good for the 2016 Mets that I'm really struggling with this. Oh, this is an awesome question to have to think about. I just keep going back to what Harvey did in, in Game 5 of the World Series. I think I want Harvey. Yeah. It's not to say DeGrom can't gut it out either and hasn't it hasn't been dominant. It's just something about Harvey. And it could just be as simple as he sort of ticks more of the boxes aesthetically for sort of the watcher that we associate with that sort of elite pitching ace than DeGrom does. He honestly looks like Roger Clemens out there sometimes well, to me, where he's just going to rip your head off. That was something he consciously did with sort of, you know, Fat Harvey and whatnot. He wanted to look more like Clemens physically. Just with the mannerisms, though. It's like, if I, if I like, step one foot out of line, this guy's going to literally kill me. Yeah, I think it's still Harvey. It's close, though, man. It's, you know, ask me again in a month, I might have a different uh, answer. Our next email is from Ian. Why not take a flyer on Lincecum? He was incredible as a reliever during the postseason and could be devastating out of a bullpen now. We all love Cologne, but why not give $7 million or less to a guy who is 10 years younger and has three rings and two Cy Youngs? Velocity seemed down because of the hip thing. Also, his velocity is down. I know there are probably a lot of stats that don't support him, like his velocity is down. But makes more sense to take a flyer on him over overpaying for a reliever who had one good year. Are we sure, sure Lincecum's just going to sign to pitch out of a bullpen for somebody? Yeah, I would not be surprised to see some... Start, yeah, starting pitching is very, very scarce. Rich Hill just like, got like $10 million, right? <laughs> he didn't get that much. He got seven, I think. All right. But yes, your point is, is well taken. You know, he could... He, like I said, going back to the Twins, he'd probably be an upgrade over multiple pitchers on the Twins right now. Ricky Nolasco. <laughs> didn't say much. And he's been like legitimately bad the last two years. Yeah. And he wasn't great before then. I think someone would give him a chance to start with the idea of moving him to the bullpen if he really struggled. But the Mets won't even give him the chance to start because yeah. we don't need that. His last good season was 2011. And his last really good season was 2009. And that, that Anytime your always... last good season was when I was in my 20s, you're probably not a great free agent bet. <laughs> when I was in middle school? Yeah, you're not Jesus, a good go free agent. Fuck yourself. <laughs> I will Sorry. say if they are going to sign an ex-Giants reliever who could theoretically start a game here and there, there's a better one out there. Ex-Giants reliever? Wait, you're not off on your, not off oh, on your podcast but, memes? Uh, yes, of course. He's Mero Petit. Use Mero Petit. You I've, been quiet, got... I've been quiet about it. Everybody yeah. else is like, I'm not, I don't want to jinx it. I'm just keeping my mouth shut until something happens. 
You guys got me really high on him going into last season, and I signed a, him. He didn't have a great year. No, he did not. I mean, it wasn't all that different. They used him weirdly, too, though. I didn't get how they used him at all. I mean, the weird vocal song obsession that Bochi has has never yeah, worked for me. Another guy, perfect fit for the Twins. Really, anybody that can take a ball every fifth day and pitch at an above replacement level would be a good fit for the Twins. Our next email is from Hank, and it says, Of course this is about Daniel Murphy. Of course this is about Daniel Murphy. Right. Dear Mr. Paternostro and Adjunct, Daniel Murphy is 30 years old and Ben Zobrist is 34. I'm 33. If they are both going to get four-year deals around the same money, why are so many Mets fans clamoring for the older Zobrist? I realize that Zobrist can play the outfield, but Murphy can play third base if right goes down again. Murphy is not as good a second baseman as Zobrist, but Zobrist is coming off a down defensive year. It's bound to get worse as he ages. Murphy has stated his desire to stay in New York, so if we get Mets, if we get Murphy for four years and 40 to $48 million, and Zobrist wants more like four years, 48 to $56 million, shouldn't Met Murphy be the better option? Also, if we are win-now mode, why are so many fans just seeing just give the job to Dilson? Yeah, why, Lucas? And see what happens. I have seen a young player with poor plate discipline who ran into a few balls. What am I missing? P.S. My English teacher is a baseball jockey like me, and he gave back my research paper on the evolution of baseball and said, this is good, but I know you can do better. Get into how the rules have changed. Could you give me some good links to look at? I would really appreciate your sharing some of your wealth of knowledge on this subject for me. With me, thank you for everything. All right, we'll start with the we'll start with the easy question, which is Murphy versus Zobris. I mean, a lot of the difference here is Zobris is a very good defensive player, or at least has been in the recent past. Murphy is well. We've all watched Daniel Murphy play second the last few years. Yes, I mean that. If you look at just their recent offense, it's a wash. Maybe actually slightly favoring Murphy. And I think going forward, it's tough to bet on sort of that mid-career power surge that Zobrist had continuing. Because mm-hmm. he hit, I'll get the exact numbers. You know, in his late 20s, early 30s, he was a 20 home run a year guy. Since then, he's been more like a you know fringe average type power hitter. Which, I mean, has its value. Uh, and he's going to get you doubles. Um, and you actually want to adjust for... And he actually walks. So once you adjust for park and league, he's been a slightly better hitter than Murph for the last few years. And you tie in the defense. He's been a uh, you know significantly better player. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's certainly aging curve things here to to worry about. Or at least make note of. I don't think it's... I think what it comes down to is Ben Zobris is very much the model hitter for this front office. Murphy is not. He's like the antithesis of what they want. I I know I've told this anecdote before on the show, but I will repeat it one more time. I was at one of the BP days a few years ago, and Sandy came up to talk, and... I don't remember the context of the question. But we were sort of talking about the kind of offensive players he looked for. Like, you want guys to either get on base or hit for power. You know, some 
you know, someone like Daniel Murphy, who does neither of them, <laughs> you know, is that really a good option? Sort of out of nowhere, not prompted. The question wasn't about Murph specifically. So he said, be, I think it became clear that he wasn't their type of uh, offensive player. Yeah. Now, you can agree or disagree with that. You know, that's a whole other podcast. But I think that's what they're going to look for. And if the money is close, I just think, you know, what's $8 million or four years between friends, even if you're the New York Mets? I just really dislike the way, like, Murphy's skill set ages a lot more poorly than Zobris. Murphy's something to that. He's already sort of lost the stolen base stuff. I mean, granted, I I think some of that is he just keeps playing through hamstring injuries, but that's its own problem in and of itself. He's very, and correct me if I'm totally off on the scouting part of this, but he seems very bat speed dependent. I guess everyone is, but... His bat speed slips a little bit. Then. Oh, yeah, he's done. Yeah. And as he enters his thir- mid-30s, that, I mean, players like this can, will frequently just fall off a cliff very suddenly. I mean, he maybe just... he, maybe he's Marco Scudero, and he's able right. to hold it into his mid-30s. You don't know, but it's sort of where do you want to absorb the risk? Our next email is... Oh, I should answer the rest of this. Um, Get into the rule changes. I mean, how far back do you want to go, Hank? When baseball started, if you caught a a hit to the outfield on one bounce, it was an out. If it bounced Uh, over the wall on one bounce, it was a home run. Yes. I would say... Hmm... And you go back and read like early like John Thorne stuff, like Lords of the Realm, and you know, I sort of get into what it was like early baseball was like. I don't know if you want to go in that in depth though. I mean, the rules of baseball haven't really significantly changed in 150 years. No, well, I'd say that, and basically since they sort of codified four balls for a walk and three strikes for a strike. That was like 1880-something, if I recall correctly. Nothing's really changed. Fundamentally. Yeah. And they're only, sort of the first 20 or 30 years, you go back, you know, you bunted a ball and it landed fair and bounced foul. It was a fair ball. I'm trying to remember who made a career out of that. I want to say it was Ross Barnes. But I may be uh, misremembering my 19th century players. Going way, way beyond my baseball yeah. history knowledge at this point. <laughs> but I would say, yeah, getting to stuff like... Uh, let's see. Let me check his Wikipedia page. Um, yeah, there's really nothing about... Uh, That specific technique. I just remember reading it in an old uh, Bill James historical abstract. But if you don't want to get into sort of like the weird... I 
Oh, sorry. It's not a John Thorne book. It's John Halar. He's the Lords of the Realm. That'll get a... Oh, that's one about owners. Now, what am I thinking of? What's the John Thorne book I'm thinking of? This is bad. That's why I don't... I try to keep things light after I've been drinking. Yeah, yeah, I can give him a baseball. I don't care about that. Ah, Baseball in the Garden of Eden. The Secret History of the Early Game. Um, also, first pitch, how baseball began. Or anything by John Thorne. Sort of get you to, like, the early crazy baseball days. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the, kind of the cool thing about baseball. The rules really haven't changed in the last 130 years. The game's changed. Mm-hmm. You can get into stuff that sort of brought about... If you want to get into, like, the live ball error and sort of how... Uh, Babe Ruth brought that about in the 1920s. You can get into sort of the pitching dominance in the 1960s. Maybe he's talking about lowering the mound. And there's some stuff on that. If you go back and look at uh, what was the year of the pitcher? Was that 64? This is all stuff I could prep ahead of time. And just like don't. And then we end up going an hour and a half. So I'm looking at Bob Gibson's Wikipedia page, or sorry, baseball reference page to uh, 68 was the year of the pitcher. I thought it was 68 in my head. I don't know why I said 64. I mean, really, all the 60s, but 68, the year of the pitcher. Um, and they lowered the bound after that. So you can get into things like that. You know, the DH was introduced shortly afterwards because offense was still very far down in the American League, especially. When did they start regulating park size to a certain degree? I don't know when that started. Uh, that's fairly recent. I mean, you still had some weird... I mean, the polo grounds was still being used in the 60s. So. Right. I feel like Shy Park was another weird one that was around for a while. And a lot of those were two were multi-use uh, facilities. You know, baseball and football, especially in the 60s and 70s. You know, Veterans Stadium and Candlestick and, you know, many others. But certainly you definitely need to have weird shaped parks more in the uh, early days of baseball. Something else you can get into, Hank. Not gonna write your paper for you. Interesting topic, actually. Not maybe one suitable to a Mets podcast. So we'll move on to Liam's email. Dear podcasters, as it is the off season, you're hoping to keep podcasts shorter. I mean, I was hoping yeah. that. I will change the format of my emails. So here it is: the highly anticipated and awaited format change. It's just quick hits. I don't want to spoil anything. Some more quick hits. One, over under 20. How many times people email you about Murph? This offseason? I think we're way ahead of that pace already. Yeah. Over under 200 on that. What are your thoughts on Sartre's notion of radical freedom? Or do you lean more towards a deterministic line of thought? I'm a Mets fan. I'm obviously a Hobbesian. Three, best named Mets or guy. Stomi Pimentel is my pick. 
It's okay. We haven't got into that. We will get into later this week at some point. That Steve was the Sippa, first. Yeah. The uh, minor league free agent stuff. And we haven't recorded yet. But there's got to be a better org guy name than Stormy Pimentel right now. We let Hilario go, didn't we? Did they? I mean, Julian thought... Hilario is not that great a name. I always found it amusing. I should to look that up since I'm writing about that Brooklyn rotation this week for BP. <laughs> Especially because he wasn't exactly very good. No, no, he oh. wasn't, but that's something I should know before I uh, start writing that piece. Dash Winningham still is a good Yeah, name. I think it's still Dash Winningham. That's a good point. You, normally what I do for uh, questions of this... Uh, nature is i just go to the dsl team oh <laughs> find yeah. some great ones because you're it's usually a good uh a good way to find some good ones let's see i mean theoretically it might be stretching oh my lord <laughs> i oh think boy. this didn't take long oh my god he was born in 1998 jesus i'm old um Nelmerson, Nelmerson, Xavier, Angela. What or the Angela. hell? Yeah, this is a new one. He must have updated the roster. <laughs> and there's Emmanuel Berhuete. He's been around for a bit. I think we had an email about him at some point. Johander, but it's spelled like uh, Johan Urania spells it, but with der, so Johander. Chorio? Ignacio Rondon. I think I mentioned him on the show before. We have another Hansel. Hansel Moreno. We need to get a Gretel at some point. Claudio Geraldo. I like that one. I don't know. I think you're, you're be, it's going to be hard to beat uh, Nelmerson, Xavier, Angela. Or Angela. Yeah, that one's pretty great. He's a 17-year-old shortstop in the DSL. Has he played at all? A left... Oh, he's a pitcher. Sorry. He's probably a left-handed throwing shortstop. Left-handed pitcher. Uh, yeah, he pitched pretty well. Just in the DSL. The DSL. Struck out better, more than a batter in an inning. I don't remember him being a six-figure guy, but that tends to matter less for... Uh, Mets... Uh, International free agents. As I'm writing about a baseball protects this week, probably. Uh, best Irish player besides Robbie Keane. And this is going to come back to haunt me. Kevin Kilbane? Uh, Paul McGrath? McGrath was the only one I thought of at first. I guess probably Paul McGrath. I'm sure there's a baseball reference leaderboard for this somewhere. I'm, I'm sure you can find... Uh, let me see if I can find... Uh, uh, most Caps, Republic of Ireland. Oh, there it is. There's the Republic of Ireland national footballers.
Let's see. Everyone gets more caps nowadays, too, so that's the problem. You can't just go buy most caps. Andy Townsend? Roy Keane? It's probably Roy Keane. Well, he means current. Best Irish player besides Robbie Keane. But Robbie Keane doesn't even start in the squad right now. It's probably Andy Townsend. I don't know, you know, there's, do we, don't we have a Mets fan living in Ireland? We have an Irish Mets fan living somewhere else? Help me out here, guys. I thought we had an Irish Mets fan living in Norway. That or sounds right. Nor- he emails or is it a Norwegian regularly. fan Am I, living in Ireland? Oh. I mean, I we have <laughs> Swedish fans that I know of, and I think at least one Dane. But if there is an Irish fan out there living wherever, are we at least on the right track here? I'm going with Andy Townsend, I think. McGrath's not a bad choice either. Oh, five. How boring was Survivor Series? It was very boring. Never watched it. We'll have Steve on later this week. I have another wrestling-related email. We'll just tie it in there. It's fine. And finally, do you think that the Mets need to put more thought into drafting due to them overcompensating on a strength, young controllable pitching, by trying to pick as many malleable young position players? I offer that maybe since the org has shown a decent job at developing pitching, that instead it focused on pitching and trade away for young hitting. Maybe that isn't exactly smart due to the glut of pitching across the board, but just a thought. Hope you enjoyed my change of format or lack of real structure because I was too lazy to form actual sentences. Thanks and happy Thanksgiving. Liam, P.S. If Chris McShane is on the podcast, ask him for the best Bronx bars that you want to expand out of my woodlawn confines to just turning 21. Everyone on this podcast is so young. Drives me nuts. Sorry. Yeah. Um, you know, I've like I've literally talked to Paul DePodesta about this on the podcast, and he says they don't really look at it that way, and I don't think most teams do. There's just so I mean, amateur scouting is such a fucking crapshoot. Yeah. You know, and they've had luck with later round or, or less expensive. Pitching in general. That they haven't really spent at the top of the draft for starters or potential starters as a, as a rule. But I mean, you know, Logan Verrett's a good outcome for a third round pick, I think. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, even Leathersitch before his surgery looked like he would be a good outcome for a fifth round pick. Fourth round pick. Fulmer was Fulmer hasn't been a Fulmer was a solid outcome, but I guess yeah, he's closer he to be. the top. Yeah, a supplemental pick. Yeah, but yeah, they could go and sign. I don't know who's going to be the twentieth pick in the draft next year, but a prepper college arm, and I wouldn't be surprised. I don't think they really look at it that way. And it's not just finding. So this is something we'll get into in a second. I think with our last email, but. It's not just about finding, drafting pitching. It's about drafting the right pitchers that would work in your system. Like you can't just teach anyone the Warthen slider. I'm sorry. I wish it were. <laughs> I wish it were that way. But it's not. That'd be nice. They have to have the right hands, the right arm slot, you know, some sort of aptitude for it. 
I'm sure there are players they're trying to teach him to right now and it's not working. We only see the successes because when it succeeds, it's a fucking monster pitch. <laughs> yeah. And it, it gets you to the majors and gets you success there. I mean, if everyone could use it, then John Neese would probably use it. Yeah. But I said, no. Dylan G. Best player available. Now, if I love the way they've drafted, not really. Overall, um, you know, a Michael Conforto papers over a lot of that, though. Yeah. When you get an above average regular to the majors in under 12 months, or roughly 12 months. Yeah, I really didn't like Sikchini or uh, Smith when they took, like, I didn't get that idea, but what the hell do I know? So Yeah. I'm sure they had an idea of what they were trying to do. Chris McChain is indisposed with wedding planning, so I'm not going to bother him. Also, Bronx bars, really? And he actually gave me a list a while back, but I don't remember any of them. Chris, if you're listening, you're not listening. Help Liam out. Our last email is from Rob. Dear Jeffrey and compadre, on what planet is 31-year-old career tomato can J.A. Happ worth $36 million for three years? And Dylan G is worth Bupkis, Excelsior, Rob. Rob, just put a baseball in your kid's left hand, no matter what age they are. Yeah. And then... Then send them to race your age. <laughs> yes. And yet again, it's like you, the right pitcher, pitching coach combination is still necessary, whether it's Dan Worthen or Don Cooper or Ray Searage. But when it works... You get $36 million for three years. Right. Now, will he sustain it that he's not on the pi- uh, Pirates anymore? That's a entirely in the, different In the AL East in a park where right-handed power hitters hit the ball a long way. I thought that, I thought Toronto had all the right-handed power hitters. They have a lot like, of them. Literally all other, of them. There are other right-handed power hitters out there that occasionally come to Toronto and play baseball. Until Anthropolis trade for them too yeah well it's uh mark shapiro and oh right whoever right, they hire now that. and they probably will not be trading for any major league regulars because they got to go back to prospect hugging and not spending money because <sighs> that's what you do those are your emails once again, you can email the podcast at podcast at amazonavenueaudio.com. How long was this? How was this fucking hour? God. Yeah, it, <laughs> we were waxing poetic about uh, we were, I, I thought I had history. it under control. Yeah. <laughs> Misremembering who wrote what books. Always a good time on Amazing Avenue Audio bragging about my national sports writer credentials and your general disdain for traditional social media i mean that's been true even when i was just like you know amazing avenue blogger i still do not like Mets twitter so that hasn't really changed is it find something to do with your life rule one don't tweet Or at least find out with a better Twitter handle, as Lucas has. I just got a new phone. Okay. 
I, have, I now have a rose gold iPhone 6s. Oh, God. It's pink. <laughs> I wanted the 64 gig one. I have a lot of music. Did it's you fine. choose it, the pink? Or, or it's all they had left. Forced upon you. They all, it's all they had left, and it's in a case, so who cares? That's true. And it's, I don't care. I, I wear pink half the time. I own a lot of pink. I am, after all, an aging hipster. So it's really not out of line for me. But anyway, when it, for whatever reason, when it imported my contact list from the iCloud, it pulled, like, my AIM friends list. From oh, my, that's where that tweet came from. Yeah, no, it literally pulled my AIM's friend list, friends list from, like, 2007, I think, roughly, based on who's on it. And all the AIM handles were terrible. I still use AIM. Do people still, like, why, why would people still use AIM? I'm legitimately serious about this now. Fantasy sports. That doesn't seem like a good reason. No, it's not. Just everyone in the league I'm in uses it. Or the commish uses it, and he makes everyone else use it. So I just kind of roll with it. I don't remember what my last aim handle was. Mine is equally bad to my Twitter handle. That's fine. That's okay. I, think, I feel like a bad aim handle was excusable because sort of the not sort of implied or the implication that if you're using aim, you're probably 17 and have just like terrible taste in everything. Valid. I think that's less the case with Twitter. Maybe I'm wrong. So we're back later this week with something. I, I don't know why we're doing more shows when the Mets aren't doing anything. But I'll probably chat with Steve Sippa a bit about roster moves and wrestling stuff. And uh, we'll have David Roth on. We have a very special email that I had to sort of bring in the heavy hitters for. You'll know why when we when we do it. But it's going to involve a lot of me and David Roth looking at baseball reference pages, which I think is the kind of thing that I don't really care if you like it. I do. And there's something else to talk about. And you'll get three shows this week. So, you know, just you'll have to like it. I'm starting to uh, let all my success go to my head. Just doing whatever I want. Because <laughs> if one thing this show has never been in the past but will be going forward is incredibly self-indulgent. <laughs> never been an issue before. Totally. But at some point later this week, you'll hear from us again on Amazing Avenue Audio.